Welcome to the College Football Bros. Playoffs? We'll talk about Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the brother who thinks In-N-Out is overrated. Sure do. That's me, Ryan Newman. And by the other brother who thinks Ryan's overrated. Absolutely. That's me, Trey Newman. We false. All right. Very false. We have uh, finally made it to the New Year's Six. Uh, before we break down those six bowl games, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at CFB Bros. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. And of course, subscribe to our YouTube channel where we are currently on right now. You can see us looking very hot, if I do say Super so myself. Dapper. Yeah. Trey's got and, a uh, flesh-colored shirt on. So. Yeah, Trey's shirt really <laughs> threw us for a loop because it looks like he's naked. So <laughs> go ahead and check us yeah. out on YouTube and uh, sort of see Trey naked. Oh, it's a Heisman shirt. Ooh, That's awesome. Sure. <laughs> there you have it. Uh, yeah, so subscribe to us there. Uh, we've got three uh, new videos coming out, YouTube-only videos this week. So, uh, yeah, check those out. And let's get into the playoff games. We've made it. So on Friday, January 1st, we've got the Rose Bowl. It's going to be uh, in Arlington at Jerry World because, of course, COVID uh, restrictions in Pasadena. Notre Dame versus Alabama. The Crimson Tide are favored 20. Uh, what do you think, Ryan? Uh, I'm just glad we made it, man. Just glad we made it. I didn't think, uh, I didn't know we'd be here three months ago or what, you know, it's uh, so yeah. glad we have these games to look forward to. Um, as far as the, what I think about the game, you know, we've kind of touched on this a little bit already, um, but 20 point spread. That's uh, not sure. We'll see much larger than that in a playoff game. This that's, is that the largest I should have checked? On it that. Is, I think it this is, is the largest, largest. right? Yeah. yeah. All right. 20 points is quite a bit, but even though it's the biggest, I, I'm, I still am not going against Alabama here. Um, they have just been firing on all cylinders. And the teams that have been able to kind of give them trips up, trip ups this year, Florida, and of course, Ole Miss was the other one. They had legit passing games where they had so much talent that, you know, Florida, obviously, of course, like Tony and Pitts, uh, Jefferson, or not Jefferson. Uh, that was a while ago. Yeah, yeah Grimes. Copeland and <laughs> Grimes. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, those te- those are the types of teams that can give them trouble. That can maybe test that secondary a little bit more, even though that secondary has been uh, much improved. But um, and then it'll go back, go to Ole Miss. They have legit talent too. Uh, that Yaboa and Early or Ely, uh, they just they they have been dynamite. So I don't see Notre Dame having that type of firepower on offense to kind of test that no- Alabama defense. I think their Alabama will be able to kind of smother them without having to worry so much about the deep ball to stretch them. So. Um, and then when you go to flip side, okay, Notre Dame's got a good defense, but this is Alabama's offense. They're going to put up points. Um, you'll be lucky to hold them under 40, um, even if you're a very, very good defense. So uh, I don't see Notre Dame being able to stick with with them for very long. So I'll say Alabama covers the spread here. That's fair. I mean, it's tough to get in front of this Alabama train, um, but I'm expecting a few wrinkles from the Irish since they they know how they just performed against Clemson that isn't going to be close to good enough. And and they know that. So Notre Dame, they got one of the best offensive lines in football. Really their only chance here to, to 
even pull out a miracle win or to, you know, keep it competitive is to slow the game down with this offensive line that they have give, of course, Bama that high octane offense, less opportunities to, uh, to pull away. We know how lethal they are, you know, Bama's defense has played better, but I think they can be a little vulnerable at times. And Ryan, you made a good point about how obviously maybe Notre Dame's pass attack isn't, isn't on par with Florida or Ole Misses, but I think if the line can can move Bama just a little bit, give Kyron Williams uh, a few holes to get loose and extend the game, uh, or at least, or I guess shorten the game in this case, um, Notre Dame can keep it entertaining. Uh, I, overall, though, I do think Bama's too much, and the Irish secondary has been exposed at times, and there's just too many weapons for for the Irish to compete. But I do think Notre Dame's going to get the cover, and I've got Bama just went in forty two twenty four. Yeah, uh, I'm obviously also picking Alabama to win. Uh, like you guys, I don't think any of us are picking the upset. Um, Notre Dame's defense is good, especially if Kyle Hamilton's ankle is is completely healthy for this game in the secondary. And their performance against a really good North Carolina offense this year shows that they can, you know, they are capable of getting stops against a, a very good offense. But I mean, this Alabama offense is more than just very good. It's like one of the best ever. So like you said, Ryan, you're you're going to be you're you're happy if you hold them under forty, which is yep. which is kind of crazy to say. Um, and the question is, though, can Notre Dame's offense keep up enough to cover? And I think it can. This offense per SP plus is way better than two years ago when they got blown out by Clemson in the playoff. It's way better than the that national championship um, against against Alabama in, in 2012. Those offenses were kind of in the, I think, the 30s in SP+. This year, they're 13th. So, I mean, they're good. And, and so I think, you know, not enough to, to get to 40 yeah. and, and hang with Bama, but I have them scoring 24. Wouldn't surprise me if they scored a little more. So I've got 42-24, same score prediction as yeah. Trey, just coincidentally. Uh, so, But that's a Notre Dame cover. Mine was just three points less for Notre Dame, uh, forty-two of Alabama, and then twenty-one for for Notre Dame. So we're all right. Crazy, in the next. crazy. I just had a missed field goal from uh, Notre Dame. That's all I had. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. I just had a missed field goal. That's only that's oh, you know, of course, gonna miss of course, one. Yeah. yeah, that's all it is. Um, okay, well let's uh, let's make some bold predictions in this game. So we kind of gave what you know the baseline, what we expect to happen. But if something crazy happens, what do you what do you think, Ryan? <sighs> I. Th- uh, you know, I kind of fear this uh, game here for Notre Dame. So I'm going to say Alabama will be covering the spread by halftime. Um, they are just going to come out of the gates humming and just kind of put this game over and it'll be done by halftime. That's what Clemson did to, to Notre Dame in the ACC title game. Um, they were up 24 to three uh, and they were covering the spread there. Uh, and I just think Bama even has an even more lethal offense than Clemson does. So, uh, yeah, uh, I think they'll be up, jump on them early and just, right off into the sunset yeah i mean and that that wouldn't necessarily surprise me but again i think you know the narrative is set right now you know notre dame they always get blown out in these big games and they're overmatched and they're a 20 point dog here bama's gonna kill them they might but i think i don't know for some reason i got this weird feeling that notre dame's gonna keep it at least a ball game um and i think this is gonna be a one score game in the fourth quarter wow. before Bama pulls away. Wow. I, hope, I right. hope that'd be great to see. I mean, I'd love to see a, a, an entertaining game. I know we've seen too many blowouts in the playoff. It, it feels like, so hopefully they can keep this one close. Uh, my bold prediction is going to throw 
for more yards in this game than any other game in his entire career. So that wow. means, yeah, it's bold. It's, I mean, it's what I'm supposed to do here. He, that would mean he's getting 361 yards, which would beat out his previous 360 against New Mexico uh, last season. And my rationale of why this is, you know, possible is Notre Dame's probably going to be playing from behind uh, for a lot of the game, especially if what happens in in Ryan's scenario. Yeah. Uh, so they might not have the luxury of running the ball a lot like they they might like to. And against maybe the the three best offenses that Alabama has faced, Florida, Ole Miss, and then A&M, they've all gone over 300 yards passing. So I know Notre Dame doesn't certainly doesn't have, I guess, the the receiving weapons that that Ole Miss and Florida have, but they might have what what A and M has with with their tight ends, you know, compared to to A and M. So I, I think it's possible. Yeah, I can see that. I like it. All righty. Anything else we got from uh, the Rose Bowl coaching in matchup? The Rose Bowl and Dallas against Saban. Yeah, no. right. it'll be a, it'll be a a trivia question for years to come. Where was the twenty twenty Rose Bowl played? Yeah, exactly. True. Where what where where was it played? Uh well. Supposedly, it's going to take place in Arlington. No, it took place wow. in Pasadena. <laughs> What'd you say? It took place in Pasadena. All right. 2020. Oh, 2020. Oh, this one's tech. Oh, my wow. god! Actually, last year, there was no 2020 Rose Bowl then, I think. Oh, oh no. Last year, no, it was, it was, yeah, to be, it was 2020. Yeah. But, ah, oh, good call, Ryan. Wow, that was a trick question. Well done. <laughs> Come <on>. Anyway, <laughs> let's get to the Sugar Bowl. Uh, we got Ohio State against Clemson. Clemson's favored seven and a half. What do you think, Trey? Clemson has kind of owned this this new rivalry, and it, it, and and going to this game is kind of weird because you don't hear too many people out there giving Ohio State much of a chance. Um, but I am. This game to me, obviously, it's been well documented about Ohio State's past defense. Um, they've really struggled struggled in the secondary this year, even with you know highly regarded Sean Wade back there. You know, the question is, can they slow down Trevor Lawrence and the Tigers at all? Um, you know, the Clemson has just kicked it up a notch. We've talked about on this podcast since that Notre Dame loss and since Lawrence has been back, they just like flipped a switch and they're they're even better than they were before. Um, but how Ohio State, though, they haven't really been full strength the last few weeks. They missed a couple weeks with COVID. The Big Ten title game, they were missing 20 plus players. You know, Trey Sermon, though, they... They found, you know, just a, a stud weapon there. He had over 300 in the in the Northwestern uh, Conference title game against a really good good defense. Olave and Garrett Wilson will be back. You know, I think Ohio State's offense can look like they did in first half of the year, where we were just kind of saying that their their offense is almost unfair how how good it is. So I think Fields is going to want to atone for his two picks that he had in this game last year. Uh, I think Ohio State's going to get the cover, but overall, I think maybe Clemson's balance on offense with Lawrence and ETN and then their defense will just push them over the top, but it's going to be close. Yeah, I think you you said it at the beginning there, kind of the, the key for me, Ohio State's secondary going up against Trevor Lawrence and you know a receiving core that maybe is not as good as last year or, or in, in years prior, but Amari Rogers is still very solid. Cornell Powell has been a huge breakout player. They've got what the the young guy uh, EJ Williams right breaking out yep. lately. So they've they've Brent still got Dunaway. a really good receiving core suddenly, um, and and going up against a struggling secondary, and they finally got the running game going at the the end of the season against Virginia Tech and Notre Dame there because they'd been underperforming 
uh, for pretty much the entire season. You know, Travis Etienne wasn't getting his his typical eight yards per carry. So uh, that's that was a good sign for for Clemson late in the season. To me, the question is which Justin Fields shows up. Is it the one you just talked about throwing two interceptions against Northwestern? Uh, I, I think he had. I'm not. I don't even remember how many he had against uh, Indiana, but he had. I think multiple picks in that game as well. I think three. three. Yep. Um, so is it going to be that guy or the guy who was perfect basically in the other games and perfect for most of last year? Um, I think part of the you know answering that question is is going to depend on the protection because Clemson has an incredible front seven in terms of you know generating havoc uh, tackles for loss sacks and that's something Ohio State has struggled with this year Uh, part of that is Justin Fields holding the ball too long as well so he's got to make quick decisions ultimately I think Ryan Day is gonna gonna put him in positions to be successful getting the receiver back as you talked about Chris Olave is gonna be huge so I think they'll hang in there but but Clemson gets the win yeah, I kind of have the same same thought as you, Mike. I, I think Ohio State can hang in there, but this just doesn't feel like the they're not firing on all cylinders. I mean, I know they ran the ball well uh, against Northwestern, um, and I know Northwestern does have a good defense, uh, no doubt about it. They were they were solid against the run, but nobody's going to confuse this Northwestern defense with Clemson's. Okay, there's just it's it's a different ball game here uh, when you're going up against this type of talent. Uh, that Clemson has. And of course, when Clemson's had their full complement of players, meaning when Tyler Davis and James Skalski aren't missing games at North Notre Dame this is a legit, legit defense. Uh, and they are extremely hard to run the ball on. So I don't think that Trey Sermon's going to be able to have that much success running the ball. And I do think that Clemson's defensive line, Brian Brzee, uh, the, the, and Miles company Murphy. are going to, yeah, Miles Murphy. Yeah. Thank you. Um, they're going to have just a field day getting to Justin Fields. Oh. Uh, I, I do. Oh yeah. No. Field, field, field. Yeah. no, no pun intended. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is just a, it's a tough ball game here. I wish Ohio state had more time. I wish they had more games. I wish they didn't have so many guys out to, so they could have more of a, a gel time to gel and just kind of work out the kinks. Um, but they just haven't had it. I mean, it, it makes a difference when you've only had your full complement of players in a few games. Uh, your timing is going to be genuinely off. You're not going to have the rhythm. I just don't think this is the year for Ohio State. I like their talent. If they played a full normal schedule, I'm sure they would have been able to do that type of stuff. But this just they just didn't. Clemson did. Clemson had plenty of games. I know Lawrence missed a couple of games, but apparently he hasn't missed a beat. He had plenty of time. So I just don't think that this is it for the Buckeyes. So I got to take uh, Clemson. Okay. All right. So it sounds like Trey and I are taking taking the points with Ohio State, and you've you're you're laying it with with Clemson. So yes. let's uh, let's make a bold prediction about this one. Uh, what do you got, Trey? So I we touched on it, of course, and everyone touches on it about the Ohio State pass defense and how Fields has thrown a lot of picks, uh, three Indiana, two Northwestern, two against Clemson last year. But I'm saying Fields will not throw a pick this this game. He's clean. And Lawrence will throw a pick to that Ohio State defense. Hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, my bold prediction is, well, so the over-under in this game is 66 right now. I'm going to say 80 points are scored uh, because I have very little doubt about Clemson's ability to to put up a bunch of points uh, with with Trevor Lawrence against a questionable secondary. And on the other side, Clemson does have the potential to to rattle fields, but there's also also the potential that the great Justin Fields shows up with, of course, his receivers we talked about, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. And it doesn't help that in that first half, Clemson is going to be without their star safety, uh, Nolan Turner, because sure. of a... Uh, a targeting penalty in that that conference championship so maybe they can take advantage of that in the first half yeah that's true Nolan Turner is a good point uh maybe you can give him a little 
little leg up, but uh, okay, that that'd be a lot of points there. I could happen. Yeah, yeah happen. I like it's the bold. bold prediction. Yeah, it's a bold prediction. That's what it's for. Um, okay, my bold prediction is that Clemson will have more than five sacks. So uh, I'm saying they'll have at least six. Wow, wow. Uh, yeah. they'll have six sacks. So I think they're going to jump ahead. I think uh, Justin Fields is going to be put in some tough tough spots where he's going to have to throw, and some of those guys, uh, Murphy and Brzee, are going to have some time moments to tee up on him, and uh, I think they'll be kind of going at him real real strong. So six six or six or more sacks for Clemson. Okay, there you have it. There's the the playoff previews. Um, anything else? Any final words on either of these games? Or are we good to move on to the other the other four New Year six? I mean. Do you guys wish there was like a little more new blood in these in the, some of these games? It's like Ohio State, Clemson, Bama. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. Yes yeah. and no. I yeah. Mean, like I, I go. Go ahead. Me. Oh, I'll go. Okay. <laughs> I was gonna say I. I mean, I think these. I. I know you're not disagreeing with this, but these are the four teams that probably deserve to be there. Of course, you could have argued with with A and M, um, which I guess A and M technically, of course, would have been new blood, but. I don't think I'd be that much more excited for AM to go up against Alabama than Notre Dame. Yeah. No. But uh but yeah, you wish you wish someone else could have came out of nowhere from this year or even just maybe given Cincinnati a chance would have been at least intriguing. But yeah. Here we are. Yeah, I think uh I've seen some people give Ohio State a little bit of flack here for just being in the in the playoff, which I just I, I don't see the logic in that. I, I think they truly do just deserve to be there, even though they only played six games. Just don't see the Logic. Why don't, why doesn't Ohio state just because they didn't, it was not their fault. They weren't able to play. I mean, if they played, how, what's the number? If they played eight, all of a sudden they're legit. Like, yeah, I mean, I can, I can see the argument. The, like you look, the you look at the resume, of, if they had played, uh, you know, a top five team in there and beat them, then I'd be like, all right, they've really proved proven it. I, I think they deserve to be in there, but you know, the, the strongest two games on the resume, Indiana Northwestern, it's not like, it's not an amazing resume. Yeah. I mean, it just helped that they got to start so high. Cause if you take, their logo off their their uniform and they're just like team a they'd be they'd be questionable but we know we inherently know all of the talent that they have yeah. and their his their priors to know that they're a good team yeah so there I, I i see both sides well there's another intriguing thing that we didn't bring up is is people making that argument that they don't don't deserve to be here like dabo sweeney who voted yeah. them 11th in his coaches poll and has been you know they've him and ryan day have kind of been going back and forth so there's a little bit of of bad blood there and i think yeah. again motivation in these games everyone's got full motivation yeah, but overrated. if there's a little extra chip on your shoulder then i'd give that edge to ohio state because dabo's been i mean they're, they're gonna be like the, the players know what dabo's been saying and they're gonna oh, yeah. get pumped up oh, yeah. i would be very, very annoyed if I was a, a Ohio State Buckeye right now. I mean, I, I don't see how it would make me play harder. Like, how could I not yeah. play it up to my furthest? But I don't know. Let's just say it gives them a little extra motivation. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's go to. We've got before the the playoff. We've got Wednesday, December thirtieth, the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic, Florida against Oklahoma. Oklahoma's favored three. Michael, it's actually been named the Bad Year uh, Cotton Bowl Classic this year. Oh, Ooh. that's actually not bad. I'll give you yeah, that. Right. Yeah. Um, some of the, I'm going to tweet that. Thank you. <laughs> it's going to be, I mean, it's so bad that it's good, I think. Yeah, right? Yeah. It's gold. Uh, no, some of the luster's gone from this game, though, for sure, because uh, Florida's top four receivers are going to be out, three of them via opt out, one of them because of COVID. Cornerback Mark, Marco Wilson also opting out. So, 
They have lost a lot. They were a three-point favorite before all those opt-outs. They are now a three-point underdog, like I said. But they've still got the talent. I mean, Naquan Wright, I think, can replace some of the the production that that you, you lose with Kadarius Toney. Their two backup tight ends combined for five touchdowns this year. So they've, of course, had to step up for Kyle Pitts before. Justin Shorter is now the leading receiver. Hey, he was a, a highly touted recruit. catches this year. You know, he's got 20 ca- over 20 catches this year. Yeah. So uh, I think Trask and Mullen can can figure out a way to to put up points. I'm going to still take OU, though. We we know about the offense, and their defense has been playing much better the second half of the year, uh, getting Ronnie Perkins back. You know, their defense is maybe probably better than Florida's. I'm, yeah, It's close. It's close. Yeah. I mean, and the spread now, it, it might, to me, just seem like a little bit of a market overreaction um with with all those opt-outs and whatnot but because i already kind of liked oklahoma in this situation anyways florida coming off back-to-back excruciating losses uh in a row don't really know where their their psyche and motivation is uh to get up for this one to begin with and oh you they've been just trending in the right direction the last half of the year with some of the core pieces coming back to next year's team i feel like they'd like to to build on it in the off season have a good showing here. And, you know, it, it's too bad Florida has the the mass amount of opt-outs in this receiving court because this really could have been an offensive oh, yeah. fireworks game. I mean, it still could, yeah. but it would have just been next level that, you know, your 80-point prediction for the uh, the other game oh, could yeah. have come to fruition here. Um, I think the, the the defense is playing with enough confidence. Rattler's going to put, put on a show. I'm actually going to lock in the Sooners. I like it. Um, what you said about the bowl game, about wanting to win it, because like, I feel like, you know, if you do win your bowl game, it gives you kind of propels you, uh, in the, in the off season. Um, and I feel like, oh, you, like you kind of said, maybe has a little bit more of the, I don't know, maybe motivating factor, maybe the wanting to be here. It's just, they were a little younger this year. Of course, they were kind of bringing in a lot of new guys. Um, and then they started slow, right? So they're, you know, they didn't, right out of the gate, they kind of knew, okay, we're already out of the playoffs, like out of three weeks they just had we're one and two right so the what ryan the what the playoff did i i, I kind of lift the an f there I, all right all right yeah. we'll see maybe maybe we'll let the we'll let the audience decide. yeah I, I, there was a little less in there it was kind of i kind of tried to cut it but yeah, i think it slipped it slipped um yeah but you know they, i feel like they they're not heartbroken right now they're kind of they they had got that out of the way real early so they're coming into this motivated like you said i think spencer uh rattler has been playing the best football of his the season uh towards the end here i like ou here i think they're gonna put up some points um and with all those guys out i mean ou is gonna be able to get some stops now um so i, I like the Sooners. all right uh new year's day we've got the chick-fil-a peach bowl georgia minus seven against cincinnati what do you think here, Ryan? Yeah, uh, well, I mean, I wish we had a uh, you know full complement of uh, of Georgia players. It's we're not we don't have it. It looks like uh, I think it's up to nine players uh, at this point uh, of of Georgia guys that are not going to be playing in this game. Whether most of them, I think all of them are uh, opting out for maybe preparing for the draft. But then there was one I think it was transferring, and he was a big player. So I won't go through all the guys, but it's prominent dudes. Um, so yeah, and then Cincy, they, they have nobody right now. They're they're all at this point they're all expected to play. So that's uh, that's a huge thing for me. Um it's a big it's also a, a motivation factor. I think Cincinnati of course uh really really does want to be there. I think they're kind of determined to show uh the country and the playoff committee that they should have at least deserved more of a look. They weren't even really 
considered by the committee it looked like at all so um i think there's i think there is a little bit of motivation factor there so um i like cincy here i think desmond ritters will be solid i think uh, with some of those guys out from georgia on that defense the cincinnati will be able to move the ball pretty well and cincinnati's defense is good man i think uh you know uh, jt daniels will be kind of surprised by what he's looking at on the other side of the ball so um i'm gonna do this for our for our boy kenny i'm gonna make cincinnati my luck Ooh. All right. Yeah. I mean, Georgia, it's it's kind of crazy if they had we've talked about this before and it's kind of an obvious point. But if they had been able to play JT Daniels the whole year or put him in a few weeks earlier, they could have found themselves in in the playoff hunt. Um, you know, even with Stetson Bennett, they were probably a, a top 10 ish type team. So with JT, you could argue they're their top five the way he's been playing. Um, the opt outs hurt for sure. But the, the big reason I actually like Cincinnati this game is is what you said is we haven't seen JT Daniels go up against an elite defense. Like he's been great and he's been better than I thought. Like I definitely underestimated him coming into this year just based on what I had seen his freshman year at USC, but he's clearly improved. He's, you know, got got better talent around him now and and has played well. But I just think we'll finally see him make some mistakes in this game going up against Cincinnati, one of the best secondaries in the country. They had three all AAC first team players in that defensive backfield two of them were second team all americans so they are they are loaded back there i mean even if jt daniels is as good as he's looked you'd think they'd they'd force him into some mistakes just based on how good they are so i actually am going to lock cincinnati plus seven as well nice wow wow i'm going against two locks here that's crazy uh you got the top two sp plus defenses i believe here that's uh it'll be a fun fun matchup to watch i know Georgia does have some opt-outs on that side of the ball, but they still they still got talent. And this game, it it really is one of the hardest for me to pick. Um, since he, they've been playing with fire the last couple games, UCF they could have lost, Tulsa they easily could have lost at home in the AAC title. Now they're going up in class a little. Um, I just like the way the team is playing with Daniels. I'm fully aware that the the competition has been pretty average uh, in the slate that he's faced, but. I feel like this is a, a springboard game. If if Georgia, Georgia's similar to Oklahoma. They lost a couple of games early where the, their season was kind of over, but then they've caught fire here. Like if Daniels decides to come back and they win this game, they're a locked top five team going into the next yeah. year. And they're, you know, they're looking, looking promising. Um, yeah. And, and Ritter, he's, he's really solid, but he's not exactly in invoking fear in, in a ton of defenses. I mean, that's not a, a slight on him or a knock on him. He's, he's still very good. Um, but I, I'm just going to take the, uh, the little bit of a talent edge and go with Georgia. All right. So we got, uh, January 2nd, the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl, Oregon against Iowa state. The Cyclones are favored four and a half, Trey. It's crazy that these ducks are playing in the Fiesta Bowl after their, you know, pretty average season, yeah. but, uh, Hey, they, they did what they were, they had to, um, and I'm actually I'm actually going to take them here plus the the four and a half. The Cyclones, little bummed after what was arguably the biggest game in their program's history against Oklahoma. They they just came up short, um, and then last year in the bowl game, Iowa State got trucked by Notre Dame. Pretty this season, he's been great at times, but he's a, he'll occasionally make that what are you doing play or that throw, and he did that a couple times in the Big Twelve Championship. I think the Ducks can can capitalize. Corner Diamador Lenore, he'll make a play. Um, if Thibodeau doesn't let Brees Hall run wild, I have the Ducks winning or at least covering here. 
Yeah, I'm with you here. I'm going to take the Ducks as well. Uh, and you kind of mentioned one of the reasons is just because I feel like outside of Big 12 play, Iowa State isn't that hasn't been that good lately. Sure. Like they lost to Louisiana earlier in the year, and then you mentioned last week. So, and then what, what last year I thought they had an early loss too. I forgot. I should have. I can't remember who it was. Um, but I I feel like once they get out, they're just not that great. And I like the when I saw the Ducks playing in the in the Pac-12 title game against the Trojans. I did like a little bit of what I saw from that defense, and they kind of it looked like they were a little bit more. They brought a little bit more juice uh, in that game. Um, I don't know, maybe it took them a while because they are playing young guys. They had a lot of opt-outs before the year. So, I mean, they had only played five games up until that point. So, they were still light on on uh, experience. Um, but Kayvon Thibodeau, he's a beast. Uh, they still have a ton of talent. Um, you know, Sewell, at linebacker, has been playing really, really well. So, you know, they forced uh, – um, uh, ah, USC's QB. Um, Slovis. Slovis. Hello, Ryan Newman. Well, <laughs> I don't even like football. Yeah, they forced, they forced Slovis into some – Really, really, really questionable throws, but it was just because there was nothing there. Like they were getting pressure and the coverage was good. So that was a little bit encouraging. And I know the offense wasn't all that great for them, but hoping Joe Moorhead has with a little bit more time here, uh, can come up with a few kinks to, to, to work things. Cause that Iowa state defense is obviously still pretty good. So, uh, but I'll, I'll take yeah. the plus points. Yeah. I, I'm with you guys. And especially your points, Ryan, about that Oregon defense, it underperformed all year, yeah. but suddenly kind of looked the part in that uh, Pac-12 championship. And like yeah. I said, they brought the juice. Like they were just, you could tell they were up for that game. Yeah. Hopefully they're they're up for this one if if we're, you know, betting Oregon plus four and a half. Um, and I the offense, like it was odd to me. They they didn't seem to want to throw with with Tyler Shuck in that uh, conference championship game. They didn't seem to trust him. I mean, he had an overall pretty solid season, uh, but he's going up against, I think, by far the best defense he's faced. So that that concerns me, but I'll, I'll put my faith in Joe Moorhead to figure something out and, yeah, take four and a half against a team that usually plays a lot of close games with, with Iowa State. Yep. Yep, that's uh, true. All right. Next game we got, it's the last one, the last of the New Year's Six. Saturday, January 2nd as well. It's the Capital One Orange Bowl, Texas A&M, minus seven and a half against North Carolina. And North Carolina's top two running backs, who each ran for over a thousand yards, had ridiculous years. Like, if they... I mean, of course, we don't want this to happen, but if one of them had gotten injured early in the season, I feel like the other one would have had a shot a shot at the Heisman because the numbers combined that they put up were insane. Uh, Javante Williams and Michael Carter are those two running backs. Yeah. But yeah, they've, they've both opted out. Uh, their third running back is out with an injury, so they are totally depleted at that position. Their top receiver, who had 1,000 yards, De'Ami Brown, opted out. So Sam Howell has a, you know, most of his weapons gone and the defense, which wasn't great to be your top tackler, Chaz Surratt. So of course that's all reflected in the point spread, but I still feel like maybe not quite enough. I'm going to give the, the seven and a half with AM. I think they're going to control the game on the ground. North Carolina's defense against the better teams on their schedule got gashed on the ground. So um, I look for Isaiah Spiller to have a big game and Aggies cover. Yeah. This game kind of reminds me of uh North Carolina's game against like uh, Notre Dame potentially here. I could see that kind of being a very similar thing. I think Texas A&M has the defensive line uh, to kind of challenge uh, that, that North Carolina offense and make Sam Howell uncomfortable, especially when you don't have those running backs to kind of maybe keep him a little bit uh, at bay. So I do think that A&M defense, just like Notre Dame did, will be able to kind of maybe not necessarily totally shut down, but very make it very hard on uh, that North Carolina offense to move the ball, which uh, we so we have definitely seen that, and then North Carolina on the flip side, North Carolina's defense, you know, 
I guess you said, Mike, it isn't all that great of a defense. I mean, it's not bad, but when you lose your, your leading tackler and your leading uh, sack getter, that's certainly going to help things. So I could see them uh, being able to have success. So yeah, I'm also going to be taking those seven or giving uh, those points with AM. Yeah, same here. And and it, it is a shame about the the Carolina opt-outs because their best, the Tar Heel best is on offense is so fun to watch just because of how balanced they are with the both the rushing attack and through the air with Hal. But uh but yeah, there's just too many, too many guys out. I gotta in North Carolina to begin with, their defense is rated pretty average. And so I I also think that the Aggies can kind of exploit them, even though they haven't been lighting the world on fire uh offensively. I think they They'll open it up a little bit more here in the, in this bowl game, and then uh, mix that with the fact, of course, that North Carolina offense can only regress. So I'll take the more balanced Aggies. All right, there you have it. That that does it for our New Year's Six preview. Thanks for listening to the College Football Bros podcast. We've got another episode that's probably as you're listening to this uh, already out. We're going to be previewing the Heisman ceremony. Talk about some new coaching hires and give out some picks in the non-New Year's Six Bowl games. So be sure to listen to those as well. Again, subscribe to us on YouTube and enjoy the playoff games. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros, follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros, And for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening.